The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's producer Debo here with a bonus episode of the Pick 6 podcast. Brinson is off doing the video version of Pick 6 on CBS Sports HQ. And if you haven't heard, the Super Friends will be hosting an hour-long pregame show for NFL draft coverage on HQ, which you can find, of course, on CBSSports.com or through the CBS Sports app on your streaming devices. It's 7 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, 6 Eastern on Friday, and then 11 a.m. Eastern, things kick off on Saturday. As for this episode, we've been talking about draft prospects for weeks. Now we get to talk to them. This episode will feature a collection of six interviews with players that will get drafted at some point on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. And you won't just hear Brinson's voice asking the questions. Draft expert Ryan Wilson and kicking expert John Breach are also a part of this pod that features interviews with Isaiah Simmons, Antoine Winfield Jr., A.J. Dillon, Rodrigo Blankenship, Ezra Cleveland, and Christian Fulton. And a reminder, when these guys do get drafted, the Pick 6 podcast will have immediate reaction pods in the feed. We start our crop of interviews with a player that will go the highest. It's Clemson's do-it-all defensive standout, Isaiah Simmons. Uh, what uh, What's it been like preparing for the NFL draft in uh, what amounts to the weirdest uh, NFL offseason uh, I can ever recall? Um, as much as it's, as much as it's been different, I don't really know any better just because this is my first time going through it. But um, it's definitely been a little strange just from things that I've heard from the traditional years going. But, you know, just taking it all in with a grain of salt and going day by day. Uh, well, are you, uh, do you spend time? What do you spend your free time doing? Are you working out? Are you reading mock drafts? What's your, uh, what's your favorite thing to do? Yeah, definitely not reading mock drafts, but, <laughs> uh, working out, playing video games. That's, that's really about it. Okay. What are you, uh, what are you playing on? What, are, what kind of games are you playing? Yeah, um, I play Madden, Call of Duty. Those are my main ones I'm on right now. So, uh, hmm. if anybody's trying to lose, in something, you know where to find me. What's uh, what's your? What, you got Xbox or PS4? PlayStation. Ah, I was gonna say I would play on uh, play in Madden. What's uh, what, what's your team? What what team do you like to play with? Oh man, I don't, I don't know. I got a couple of them, but I, I I like to play um randoms. So I like to play the Bills. They got a really good defense. Um, they know they have like a a bunch of versatile guys who are in there, which brings me to uh my point that. I, I think you're probably the most versatile guy in this draft. Do you, would you agree with that statement? Hundred percent. What is uh what is your position? Because people have a debate about it. Um, if I had to have like one name for it, is that what you? Yeah. Is that what you mean by you, that? And it can be it doesn't it can be linebacker. Uh, it could be defensive end. It could be safety. It could be defensive weapon. Anything you want. Yeah, I would say defensive weapon. That's the best way to put it. I like it. Just because I feel like I can just 
I feel like I just affect the game on every level. Um, I, I, I mean, I agree with you completely. Like I've seen, you know, I mean, I, 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 I'm actually an NC State guy, so unfortunately, I've seen you play a lot. Um, but uh, you know, you you can rush the passer, you can drop into coverage against running backs and wide receivers, you can play safety. Um, you know, what is it like working with a guy like or working, you know, closely with a guy like Brent Venables, who seems like a very calm and uh and and, and cool guy on the sidelines? <laughs> Calm and cool. <laughs> I'm kidding, man. He's a maniac. What you do right, fix it, whatever you do, um, he's gonna have corrections for you. But uh, honestly, all jokes aside, he's really, he's really like an amazing coach. Um, he's gonna, he demands perfection out of everyone, regardless if you're walking on to five star. It doesn't matter. Um, he expects the same thing from everyone, and he's gonna meet you where you are and help bring you to where you need to be. So um, Coach Venables always going to be one of my all-time favorites. Well, what what, do you, what have you heard from NFL teams about what they would want to do with you in, in from a schematic standpoint? Because I assume you're, you know, you're doing these Zoom calls, you're at the Combine, you're in a 4-3-9. There's no question you're one of the, the best athletes in the class. Um, what do you, are you getting, are you, do, are you getting into schematics and position versatility and all that with these different teams on these calls? Yeah, um, just a little bit, but I've heard different things from different teams on what they want me to play. So, um, kind of just depends on the team and, Obviously, the personnel that they have there now, and what they possibly can have in the future. Well, what's what's been? Can you get? You don't have to name the team unless you want to, but I'm just curious, like maybe an example of of like what what sort of feedback you've gotten from those teams. Um, some teams want me to be like a stack linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, others may see me as like a strong strong safety, and then um, others. I mean, there's also teams that have. Similar positions to what I played at Clemson to where I'd be able to play all over. Ooh. Yeah, see, but that, I mean, is that what you would want to do at the NFL level, or do you just have no preference? I don't really have a preference, honestly. What, um, I think one of the, one of the critic, this is not my criticism, but one of the criticisms would be that, like, if, if somebody brought you in and, and played you at a linebacker, that, uh, there might be, uh, you know, maybe you wouldn't hold up against the run quite as well. Do you think that's a fair criticism or, or do you believe you would quickly prove people wrong? Cause I think you're very good at diagnosing the run and particularly, and, and like, I, I like, I watched that Carolina game. You're, you're dragging guys, you're chasing guys down from behind too. Uh, I, I am surprised at the criticism. Have right. you heard any of that? Yeah. Um, I haven't really heard too much about that, but if that criticism is there, then I mean, I would definitely say it's false. And I think my film shows that that's false too. So, um, what, uh, what do you have planned for the draft? Like, are you going to, uh, I know, so we had Chase, um, oh, sorry, we had Chase Young on, uh, our video show and he said he's going to do like a big screen projection on the side of a, a house. And he, so that way, um, family members can drive by and hawk. Any plans like that? Oh, nah, I, I didn't really plan anything like that, <laughs> but, um, one thing I am going to do, I'm just going to have, um, uh, just my family, a few family friends over, but, other than that, we're going to have a Zoom call that everybody could tune into to where they can all be there but not be there, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So everybody can sort of watch the party, and they'll be watching the draft at their own spot. And is is it difficult to you for you to to not be able to have you know all your family there at one time to celebrate? 
Um, yes, it, it definitely is difficult just because um, I'm a real family-oriented guy, but um, also understand the circumstances. It's just not safe. So, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, what, uh, who is who is the best Clemson offensive player you played against in your time in Death Valley? Or not um, against, but with, but you know what I mean. Clemson, you said... What's that? You said on the like from Clemson, like on the Clemson team. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like who's the best offensive guy you've seen? Not, not played against, played with. But you get my point. Um, Trevor Lawrence. He's ridiculous. Or Deshaun Watson. Oh. I don't. I can't. I, 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 that's actually a really hard question. Um, you got Travis Etienne. You got Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson. God, Mike Williams. You need to keep going, but um, I don't know. If I had to pick one, I don't know if I could pick one. That, that's a really hard question. I, I mean, Trevor Lawrence to me is the best prospect to come out of when he comes out since Andrew Luck, and that's no disrespect to Deshaun Watson, who's freaking ridiculous. But um, Lawrence to me, I, I, I mean, I, I thought you guys would take down LSU. Uh, yeah, I, he just didn't, he didn't have a, didn't have his best game and that just happens sometimes. Uh, but I mean, he, he has everything to be an elite level quarterback, right? Absolutely. All right. Um, so you are working with Oikos triple zero, recognizes the strength behind a good cry and the new flex your criceps ad for the NFL draft. Uh, so you're, you're, you're an emotional guy. You're not afraid to, you're a tough football player, but not afraid to cry too. Yeah, I guess we're gonna find out Thursday. <laughs> When's the last time you cried? The last time I cried. Um, I'm really not sure, actually. Okay. Um, so the the once the first round of NFL size tears are shed during the draft, Oikos is inviting fans to virtually join in. For the official NFL draft after party, stay strong featuring Shaq presented by Oikos Triple Zero. The party DJed by Shaq, aka DJ Diesel, and fans can celebrate with some of their favorite NFL draftees, yeah. including Jeff Akuda, Isaiah Simmons, and uh, Tristan Wirfs. Check out Shaq's Instagram live 10 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, April 23rd. How surreal is that that you're like gonna be on a virtual DJ party with freaking Shaquille O'Neal? I mean, this is this is you've arrived. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, obviously, he's a legend in the basketball world, but um, obviously a household name. So it'll be real cool to be on live with him, party up a little bit. All right. What's the uh, first thing you're going to buy after you sign your co- your contract? Um, after I sign my contract, yeah. Do you get if you get like if you get first round NFL money? What's the first thing you're going to buy? I mean, if you want to be literal, then I'm probably gonna buy like some food or something. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. no I'm just, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. But, I know, um, I know. Uh, the first thing I'll probably buy, um, I really like shoes, so I probably might buy buy myself like a pair of sneakers I've always wanted. What uh, what kind of what kind of sneakers are we talking? Are we talking like Air Jordans? Are we talking like the Kanye's? Yeah, not... it'll probably be. It'll probably be like a really rare Jordan one. Okay. Maybe like the fragment one. I like it. You should get, um, you should talk to Nike 
and get them to make you some some Clemson and or whatever NFL team you signed with uh, custom rare Air Jordan ones. You're you're a professional. You're you're a, you're a, you're about to be a star, man. You get to you get to get your own shoes now. Yeah, man. We're gonna see. <laughs> um, all right, buddy. Well, hey, look, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, excited to see you at the pro level. Think you're going to be a superstar when you get there. Know you're a superstar already. Uh, keep up the great work and, uh, and thanks for taking the time. All right. Thank you. All right. Now we have Antoine Winfield Jr. Safety from Minnesota who was coming off a, a spectacular season, uh, a really good combine. And also, by the way, if the name didn't give it away, his dad's Antoine Winfield who played cornerback in the NFL. And Antoine, when I talk to people about you, one of the first things they say is how incredibly smart you are. And I wanted to ask you how much of that is growing up in an NFL household and seeing your dad? How much is that talking with your dad about what you want to do in the secondary? And how much of that is just you and your experiences as a football player? Yeah, a lot of it comes from my dad, Um, you know, growing up and being around him. You know, he played in the league for 14 years, so he has so much knowledge of the game. So um he uh, pretty much <laughs> knows the game in and out. And um, anything that I needed help on, uh, he was there to help me with. And um, he just always was just useful, uh, just having all that knowledge just to give to me as a as a young kid. And then as I progressed to college, um, you know, he kind of took a backseat a little bit. I mean, he still helps me now with, um, you know, just some little fundamental things as far as footwork and watching film against my opponents. But, um, you know, I feel like uh, being in college, that's kind of how I uh, made my name known by uh, being myself and kind of doing my own thing. No, absolutely, and you've done that. Uh, I, I want to ask you a little more about that. You, you mentioned your dad took a back seat uh, sort of once you got to college. I have a 13-year-old son, and I, mm-hmm. I have to do my best not to yell at him when he's doing things that I don't want him to do uh, on the sports field. Is he, <laughs> so is your dad like that? Is he still like that now? Will he send you a text after a game and say, hey, man, you didn't do this, or is he more uh, he understands your game well enough to know that you understand what you need to do? Yeah, no, he understands, but, um, you know, before every game, he's sending me a, a text message of encouragement, and then um, after the game, he'll call and just, we'll just go over the game and, like, how I felt like I played and then things I can improve on. So he's still always there for that. That's great. I should take some tips from your dad about how to handle your kid when it comes to sports. <laughs> it helps when your son right, right. when your son is someone who gets seven interceptions uh, in the 2019 season. <laughs> And is is much more than a free safety. He's he's knocking people out as he get close to the line of scrimmage. You played a little bit in the slot. Uh, you played in the box, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the strong point of your game when you're talking to NFL teams and, and they ask you that question? Yeah, I just uh, said my strong point is my versatility. Um, I can play pretty much anywhere on the back end of a defense. Uh, I can play slots. I can play over tight ends. I can play in the box. I can play in the post. And um, I feel like that's my main strong point is my versatility and also my ability to create takeaways. So uh, let me ask you about a couple of your teammates, um, guys who are going to get drafted almost certainly uh, on defense too. Kamal Martin, the, the linebacker, and Carter Coughlin, uh, the, the edge rusher. Mm-hmm. I'll ask you first about Carter, and you can follow up with Kamal if you want. Carter's undersized. He's at the senior bowl, and he competed, and he has a super high motor. But I wonder how that's going to translate and what he can do well. Do you see him uh, having that versatility perhaps to move around uh, along that front seven? Or is he going to be able to – I can't imagine he's going to put on 20 or 30 pounds. Yeah, I believe Carter can be used uh, anywhere as well. Um, you know, he's versatile. Um, he's He has the athleticism to play uh, any position as long as, um, you know, they put him in that good role that fits that team. But um, I feel like uh, Carter's going to do a great job in whatever team uh, picks him up because he's that versatile player as well. And he has that aspect to him, um, which is great. And then Kamal plays linebacker, and he was a big part of your defense. And this linebacker's class is actually pretty deep. And I think there's a chance that, that he can go uh, – 
day three, maybe earlier than that, maybe even day two. What do you like about Kamal's game in terms of what he brought to, to the middle of that defense? Yeah, I, uh, in terms of Kamal, I like his mentality, and he's just like a freak athlete. Um, he's about 6'4", he's long, um, he has a great size, and, um, you know, he's just uh, playing with him. He just had that mentality that he's about to go out here and eat, and every time he's out there, you can feel his presence and uh, just the energy that he brought towards the game every day um, was just crazy, and it was just great to have on the team. So you mentioned Kamal 6'4". Uh, I think you're a little short on that. You're listed at 5'9", I think, of the Combine. Has any team have, – have teams yep. mentioned that, that, okay, you're a little undersized for free safety? Have anyone said that to you? And, and I'm sure you've probably heard that at points in your career, and I'm guessing you just point to the stat sheet. But what do you typically say when someone brings that up? Yeah, um, you know, it's something I can't change. Um, something I was born with, I'm not the tallest guy in the world, but, you know, every time I'm out there on the field, I'm giving you everything I have. Um, you know, a lot of people say it's not about how big the dog is in the fight. It's how, but how big uh, the dog's heart that he has is what determines what he's going to do. So I don't really look at it in any negative way. It's just I am who I am. Yeah, I think your dad was 5'10 or 5'9 as well, and he, he seemed to manage okay. So it's not it's certainly not a, a, a big issue when you play the, the way you played. Uh, also, something else that, that you had mm-hmm. to concern yourself with at Minnesota were the injuries. And you came back this year and you were healthy yep. and you played really well. When teams ask you about that, what, what do you say in terms of the, the games you had to miss because you were hurt? Yeah, it's football. Um, football is a 100% injury risk sport. Uh, you're going to get hurt playing football. It's only a matter of time. Uh, both of my injuries were freak injuries that I couldn't control. And um, it just happened, something that happened. And um, I don't really look uh, down at those injuries. It's just something that happened to me as a player that could have happened to pretty much anybody. Yeah, no, that's a great answer, and I'm sure you're tired of tired of answering it, so hopefully this is the last time you hear it. Uh, one last question I want to ask you, Antoine. Uh, do you have any plans for, for Thursday for the, for the draft? Are you going to have like some, maybe some close family friends over, or do you have anything in terms of lined up in terms of what you want to do there? Yeah, for the draft, I'm just going to be at home in my living room uh, with my family. Uh, just some small incident with my family, something I feel like I can celebrate with them. No, that sounds great. That, that's excellent. And um, I wish you the best of luck, and I'm glad you have your dad there to help you out. Uh, I'll learn a lesson from him in terms of dealing with my kids. And uh, yeah. best of luck, Antoine, and I, I hope to see you running around on the field sooner rather than later. Right. That sounds good. Thank you. All right. Joining us now, A.J. Dillon, Boston College running back. He was coming off uh, not only a fantastic season, but a, a great pre-draft season, especially at the Combine. So, A.J., I'll, I'll start there. Um, you weighed 247 at the Combine. You somehow jumped 41 inches. That was your vert, which was the best of any running back and had to be one of the best verts of, any, of anyone there, just off the charts. And, uh, oh, by the way, you were in a 4.53. So when people see your size and, and weight without having seen you play, the first thing they probably think of is Jerome Bettis. You don't look like Jerome Bettis. <laughs> you look more like <laughs> Derrick Henry uh, and that – and that sort of uh, body type. So can you explain, um, were you surprised at all at what happened at the Combine, or did you know that was going to happen? Um, how was that experience for you? Yeah, uh, so I wasn't surprised. I've known, uh, I've always been an athletic guy. Uh, you know, I also came in first in broad jump. Um, and, like, it wasn't a surprise to me. I just felt like uh, I was happy to go out there and show the world. I've been hearing the big bad comparison because I weigh 250, and, oh, he's a, he's a guy who can only run between the tackles. Uh, so it was nice for me to, you know, go ahead and show that uh, I I weighed I weighed in two forty seven, but I had seven point eight percent body fat. So that's, uh, you know, people who tell me to lose weight, it's uh, it's all muscle there. It's funny. Uh, first of all, sorry I forgot about the broad jump. That's on me. There you go. 
he had he set so many records. But it's it's funny you mentioned the the body fat because I looked this up before we talked, and Jerome Bettis's body fat at, at this combine was like thirty one percent. So uh, you're slightly uh, leaner. Than he is. And, and you mentioned running between the tackles and, and your versatility there. I just looked this up on on our friends at Pro Football Focus. Uh, around the edge, you averaged about five and a half yards per carry, um, and also. In between the tackles, it was about five, five and a half yards per carry. So that versatility is there. And what would you say to people, or more specifically, what did the NFL say to you when you spoke to them uh, at the combine or even on these on these Zoom calls about the, what they wanted to see you do in terms of improving your game once you got to the NFL? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like uh, one of the big things was just the pass game, uh, just more – uh, not that they didn't think I could catch, but more so just, you know, showing more opportunity. So I did a, like a little, uh, like catching kind of like pro day. Cause our pro day got canceled at Boston College and that's what I would have done. Um, but like at the combine, uh, I, I ran all the routes. I didn't drop one ball. Um, so it's not a lack of ability by any means. It's just at BC we're a run heavy team and that's where I was used and I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. Yeah. And you're not the first running back coming out of college that has to explain to people like me, uh, that yeah. Just because you caught last year, you caught 13 passes, but that doesn't mean you're not being focused, a uh, focus of the pass game. It's that, uh, college game is a lot, in a lot of ways different than the NFL game. You don't necessarily need your running back to come out and, and catch pass patterns. And it's, it's funny you mentioned, um, another comparison you, you've drawn is James Conner, who mm-hmm. actually weighs a lot more than you would think. I think he's 230, 233, something really? like that. And, um, last year I was talking to Kadri Allison. I don't know if you remember him from Pitt and he drew comparisons to James Conner for being that same size. And he also didn't catch a lot of passes coming out of the backfield of Pitt. James yeah. Conner's a pretty, pretty important weapon in, in the past mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. So, so I understand what you're saying there. I want to ask you about uh, your season last last year in 2019. I was actually at the Syracuse game. I wanted to come see you play. Yeah. Uh, you didn't do too well. You only had 242 yards and averaged seven yards a carry. And that was Dang. after five straight games of rushing for at least 118 yards. And three of those games, back to back to back, you had 150 yards. That's amazing, number one. But number two, if someone says, okay, should we all be concerned about any durability issues with A.J. Dillon yeah. carry the ball so much, what do you say to those people? That's the thing. And shout this from the top of the mountaintops. I'm healthy. I've had one injury in my entire time uh, playing college football. I had a left high ankle sprain. I missed two weeks, and I played the remaining six on it. And I just had a 1,000 yards still in that season, sophomore year. I went to the combine. I went through all the med- medical checks. I didn't have any extra x-rays, any extra scans, flexibility, did all that stuff, and then I went and performed. My durability is not an issue. I love that. Lo- that's, <laughs> that's the answer, number one. And I, I feel like you probably answered that question 20 or 30 times already. Yeah. <laughs> and how, how you were able to tick off every single thing. So, okay, let's let's go to, to this. So the running back class – there may be someone going the first round. It may not just because of how things fall, but I feel like there's going to be a run on running backs in the second round, and it's going to be crazy. Have you heard anything about where teams like that think they think that you may go, or you're not thinking about that? Uh, I'm honestly not thinking too much. Obviously, I'd be lying if I said I haven't thought about it at all. But you know, it's out of my control, and uh, you know, anything can happen in the draft. I just know I've done everything I can uh, thus far to put myself in the best position possible. So. I'm just wait, just like everybody else, wait and see what call I get. Are you are you anxious at all? Or are you are you pretty calm in general? Uh, I, I've been I've been pretty calm. I feel like it's just because I've been trying to like work out and do other things to keep my mind uh, off it. 
I feel like if I just sit down during quarantine and think about the draft, the, the days will go by really slow. <laughs> no, that's a great way to think about it. So in terms of uh, how this has been a weird offseason for everyone, you mentioned BC's Pro Day got canceled. Everything sort of yeah. started to shut down after the Combine. How has it gone with, with the Zoom calls with the teams or the mm-hmm. Facebook calls in, in terms of the questions they're asking you, and do you feel comfortable on those, or do you wish you would have more opportunity for sort of these face-to-face interactions? Uh, yeah, I mean – I personally feel like the, obviously the face to face, like there's really nothing like being able to like sit across the table from somebody and really get a, uh, a vibe for lack of a better word from them. But, um, you know, everybody's been adapting. I've done zoom calls, Microsoft team, FaceTime. I've done the whole, every type of Skype, everything you could do, but, um, they've all gone well. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, but like, like you said, it's a weird dra- uh, drought process. But this is my only one, so this is all I'm used to. So. That's right. No, that's, yeah. that's right. So there, at the combine or even through the process of these Zoom calls, uh, has there been any sort of thing that stood out to you as incredibly weird? Because you hear about this a lot of times at the combine, the yeah. questions they ask you to maybe try to see how you react. Or, or Was there any questions that struck you as particularly odd, or was it pretty normal? Uh, for the most, I mean, I felt like it was pretty normal, uh, just what, what teams would want to know. I didn't get any, get any egregious questions or anything like that. Well, that's good. So uh, we heard from Chase Young yesterday. He was actually on CBS Sports HQ, and he said he's going to have 10, 10 or fewer people at his draft party. you got to say 10 or yeah. fewer. And then what he's going to do is going to project on a projector outside for family and friends who can't come inside the actual mm-hmm. draft show. So when he when he gets drafted, presumably at number two, he'll go out there sort of like a rock star. What, what are your draft yeah. plans, and where will you be, and, and who's going to be there? Yeah, my draft plans are definitely not that luxurious. Uh, <laughs> I will, uh, I will be out here in Orange County, uh, California where I was training. Uh, my family, I didn't, I didn't want to go and travel, uh, on a plane and bring, potentially bring anything back and to my family. So I'll be on FaceTime with my mom, uh, my little sister, my stepdad all day. And then, uh, I got my two friends, uh, from home. They're out here. And, uh, so we'll be together. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. You got to roll with the times. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, that it, it is incredibly odd how this thing sort of works out. It'll be weird. Not for you. This is the only thing you know, but to see Roger Goodell in his basement, yeah. your name off a card at some point. Uh, AJ, thank you for the time. We wish you the best of luck. You are the biggest, one of the fastest, and definitely the highest jumping running back in this draft class. <laughs> and any team that gets you is going to put you to work right away, and, and you're going to be uh, a gem and a lot of fun to watch. Thanks, AJ. Uh, thank you. Appreciate your time. All right, we are now joined by arguably the best kicking prospect in the 2020 NFL Draft, Rodrigo Blankenship of UGA. Rodrigo, how you doing today, man? I am fantastic. Hope you guys are doing well, and hope you guys are uh, staying safe and healthy out there. Yeah, definitely, and staying safe is kind of the name of the game right now. Let me ask you this. What has quarantine been like for you? Like, How are you handling that? How are you passing the time? Uh, quarantine has definitely been interesting um you know this this draft process has definitely not when not been what i had expected or, or what i had hoped for but um that's just kind of the cards you dealt sometimes um you know quarantine has been interesting um i've, I've got some some equipment um that i've got here in my apartment in athens that i can use to work on my flexibility work on balance try to make my strength with gyms and everything being closed right now um so i've got some equipment that i've got at home that i can use to you know do the best i can to work out and, and stay in shape at home and then uh, I go out to the uh, the intramural fields that we've got here at UGA um, a couple times a week to get a little bit of kick and work in and, uh, you know, try not to get chased off the field. So that's kind of what's going on right now. <laughs> well, 
Well, I'd say you're ahead of the game, man, because there's NFL players who don't even have weight equipment at their place right now. So at least you have access to that uh, and you're able to get out and kick, which is probably the most important thing. Now, before this whole uh, quarantine started, before we all got stuck in our apartments and our houses, you did get to go to the NFL Combine. Uh, can you just describe what that experience is like for a kicker uh, and how many teams you talk to? Uh, yeah, um, it's definitely a, you know, it was a blessing to be there. Um, an incredible opportunity for me to be there and uh, as well as the other specialists because not every specialist gets invited, you know. Um, it was a very select group of guys that were invited to the combine and so being there was an incredible opportunity for us, um, to kind of, you know, uh, put our talents on display and, and get to meet coaches and, you know, other important people that are going to be making decisions about our futures. Um, so it, it was an incredible experience. It was great to get to, you know, interview uh, coaches from teams across the league. And then at the end of the week, you know, we got to go out and have a little bit of a workout and uh, do our best to show what we can do and, and put our skills on display. Um, I think that for all the specialists, um, I think we all met with probably about 25-plus uh, um, of the of the teams in the league. Um, we had a, an interview day kind of designated to us where they, they took all the special teams coordinators and coaches um, to a, a designated area and sat everyone down at six or seven tables, and all the specialists kind of went around Robin, uh, meeting all the coaches at every table. We'd sit down with, the, you know, a, a table of six or seven coaches for about 15, 20 minutes, and a horn would blow, and we'd get up and go to the next one. And so we got to get down, you know, sit down in front of pretty much every coach that was there, um, pretty much every team in the league. We got to meet with that one point or another during the week. Well, was there any team that kind of like showed their hand and said, hey, look, man, we really need a kicker and we are really interested in you. You might be a guy we're looking at in the draft. Um, there, there are a few teams that uh, definitely are in a position where I think they'd be, you know, willing to use a draft pick, um, you know, and, you know, that, that still could change. Um, you know, the draft isn't for another couple of days. Um, so, you know, some team situations may still change between now and then. Um, but definitely I think there are a few teams that, um, have expressed a lot of interest starting at the combine, going back to the senior bowl even, um, that have expressed a lot of interest. And uh, I think you're going to be in a position to use a draft pick um, for the draft this weekend. Well, now with your guys' pro day canceled, it's like the only way to meet with teams is doing what we're doing right now. you got to Skype or Zoom or FaceTime. Uh, is that something you've done over the past month? And what has that interview process been like for you? Uh, yes, there's been plenty of, plenty of Zooms, plenty of FaceTimes, plenty of Skyping um, over the last few weeks. Uh, like you said, Said we didn't get to have our, our pro day. Our, our pro day got canceled probably about, I think it was about three or four days before we were supposed to have it. Um, and that was very unfortunate. Uh, we also didn't get to have any of our, you know, private workouts or individual workouts. And for specialists, that's kind of the, the bread and butter of our, our you know, post career, uh, draft evaluation is getting those individual workouts. Um, you know, only, only two punters and two kickers go to the senior bowl. You know, there's, there's a couple of other senior bowl games out there, but, by and large, very few specialists go to Senior Bowl games. And, you know, like I said, there were only three kickers uh, at the Combine and I think seven punters. And that is a big number of punters, but that still doesn't represent the whole draft class, you know. So a majority of the guys coming out this year didn't have those opportunities. And so for specialists, the best opportunities are those individual workouts that we have after Pro Day because that's when the special teams coaches can come in and they can kind of put us through the ringer and have us do all of the drills that they want you know, to put us through and they can have us try and execute all the kicks that they have in mind that they're looking for in their specialist. And we didn't get to have any of those. So we missed out on a lot of quality one-on-one time uh, that we would get to spend with special teams coordinators. And, you know, we didn't get to kind of put our skills on display uh, as much as specialists in previous years that had the program.
Yeah, and, and you did get to miss out on this one-on-one time, but like you said, you did get the group interviews at the combine. So just based on the the mm-hmm. weirdness that it's been over, say, the past six weeks, have you got any sense of where you might get selected in this draft? Well, um, looking at the last, you know, looking at the last few years and you know, where some of the specialists have been taken, um, pretty much all the specialists that do get drafted get drafted between the fifth and seventh round. Um, and I think that I will be able to, to help a team out. Um, but, you know, that, that's kind of where kickers have been going. Um, the last few years is between five and uh, that's, that's where I'll be. Uh, that's what I'll be expecting to, to get taken if I'm going to be drafted this year. Um, it, it'd be between the fifth and seventh. So, you know, your dad played in college. He has that experience. What kind of influence has he been on your life in your career and, and your kicking career? Yeah, um, my dad has been a huge uh, influence on my life and my career, probably the single biggest influence. Um, you know, he was the one that got me into kicking. Uh, I, I came from a soccer background. He was a soccer soccer coach and, and he was my soccer coach first um basically from the time I could walk uh, I had a soccer ball in front of me and, and so that definitely gave me a great background to get into kicking um he was one that introduced me to football and, and to kicking uh he took me out to a field one day after a fourth grade year over the summer he took me out to a field one day and set up a football on some sticks and just said here kick it and see what happens uh and so I kicked it and it was pretty good and so we just kind of took off from there and never looked back and just kind of dug our heels in and got going uh, seeing if I could become a, a pretty decent field goal kicker. Um, and so, you know, he was my coach, um, from the beginning. Uh, he coached me, you know, on his own for, uh, probably about three years, four years. We'd go to some kicking camps here and there and, and he'd ask the coaches if he could take notes and, and bring them back so I could get better. Um, and so, you know, he was an incredible influence for me, an incredible, uh, incredibly huge factor in, in my life and in my career, um, bringing me to where I am today. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be here without my dad. Um, and, you know, so I'm incredibly grateful for him and for the relationship that we've had and for everything that he's done to, to help me reach this point. Is he going to be able to be with you on draft night or is the quarantine uh, not letting that happen? Uh, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll be with him. I'm, I'm going to head to Marietta and, and uh, spend draft night with my parents. Nice, nice. Oh, let me ask you about someone else who has helped you a little bit in your kicking career. Kevin Butler, former UGA kicker, former Bears kicker. Uh, what has he been like for you? Yeah, uh, Coach Butler has been awesome. I was actually, uh, I was on, uh, Facebook Live with, with Coach Butler and the Georgia radio crew for our virtual G day we had, um, on Saturday. So that was, it was pretty great to get to reconnect with Coach Butler and, and talk to him a little bit. Um, Coach Butler is, you know, he's incredible. He's one of the best to ever do it. One of the best dogs to ever do it. Uh, and, you know, and one of the best in, in the NFL as well. Um, so he's been a great role model for me, and he's also been a great resource. Um, Coach Butler was with us in 2016 and 2017 uh, and, you know, helped me and, and all of our specialists tremendously to kind of develop our game. Um, I th- think that he really helped me to develop mentally. Uh, I think if you want to be a successful specialist in the NFL, you have to, you know, you have to be adept mentally and you have to know how to handle tough situations um, and, and, you know, just, just kind of not get caught up in your own head. Um, and so Coach Butler was, was incredible for me to help me develop and, and develop the mental side of my game and just become a more well-rounded and more complete kicker. Um, and I think that, you know, he's he's helped me as well to have success. Um, and he's been another huge factor in in, uh, in my here today. Well, let me ask you one thing about Coach Butler there. He spent 11 seasons with the Chicago Bears. The Bears could maybe use a kicker right now. Has he been, is he secretly hoping that you end up in Chicago? Oh, oh I don't know. Uh, I, I, I couldn't tell you. I think maybe he's hoping I end up somewhere with a little bit better weather. Um, <laughs> from all of the, the war stories he tells me, 
Um, Chicago's got some pretty brutal weather, and he said he wouldn't wish it on his worst enemy. So, um, you know, I, I you know I would I would I would love to go wherever wherever I'm uh, wherever I'm needed and, and wherever someone wants to have me. Um, you know, if that be Chicago, then so be it. But um, you know, I'm, I like to keep my options open and just uh, keep an open mind, and I'll be ready to go wherever uh, someone is willing to have me. Yeah, it's funny that Coach Butler brought up that weather because you know you've never really kicked in a cold weather city. It's pretty moderate uh, down there in Athens. Uh, can you be a cold weather kicker, or are you kind of secretly hoping you maybe end up in a warm weather city or a dome, Atlanta? Uh-huh. Uh, I'll be the best kicker I can be, um, regardless of regardless of the situation. You know, I think that uh, as long as I trust myself and trust in my mechanics and my body and trust what I've been doing over the years, uh, then I'm going to be able to have success regardless of where I go. You know, I think if you just trust that. You know, what you've been doing over the years is going to allow you to kick a straight ball and kick it high and kick it far. Um, then it doesn't matter, you know, where you go. You're going to be able to have success. All right. So if I'm an NFL general manager, I think one of the things they look at is how a kicker rebounds from misses. Because obviously no one's going to make every kick. There are going to be misses. Um, what would you say was one miss in your Georgia career that you wish you could have back? And how did you kind of rebound from that mentally? I guess the one kick I would have liked to have back probably would have been from uh, South Carolina this year um, when we, uh, you know, we went into overtime with them and we weren't really having our best game. Uh, I had a chance to tie the game and send it into another overtime frame and I wasn't able to connect there. Uh, it was just, uh, you know, it was a mishit and it came in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, I, I definitely would have liked to have that one back and um, kind of do that one over again, get a second chance because I know it would have drilled it. Um, but you know, that kind of thing happens. Um, like you said, you know, the, the testament to a good kicker is going to be how he can bounce back and how he can recover from that. Um, the next week we, we played against Kentucky and, uh, it was one of the most miserable games that, you know, I've ever played in. It was about 40 degrees and pouring rain the entire time. It was just a monsoon of, of awful weather. Uh, neither team's offense was really moving the ball super great. Um, I didn't really get it chance to kick any field goals in that game just because, you know, we weren't really getting in field goal range. And when we did, our offense just went all the way in and scored a touchdown. Um, so I didn't really get a chance to kind of bounce back in that game. And I, I was just itching and, uh, you know, clawing, just, you know, dying to get another opportunity so I could get back out there and, and prove my, myself. Uh, didn't happen. Uh, the following game was when we went to Jacksonville and played Florida. Uh, in that game, I think it went three for three and uh, hit a bunch of big kickoffs, had a lot of touchbacks and got SEC player of the week that week. Um, and so I think that, you know, just, you know, I had had that opportunity to, to bounce back and, and prove that I was able to recover. Uh, and that's something that I use as experience to help me uh, recover from tough situations, you know, going forward the rest of my career. Yeah, I'd say you rebounded pretty strongly from that game. You actually hit 11 of your next 12 field goals. You had a big game against Texas A&M, uh, you know, that 1913 win where you hit t- uh, four field goals. Um, well, let me ask you this kind of on the mental note here. You know, you obviously can physically train as a kicker. You're mentioning the stuff that you have at your apartment. You can make yourself physically stronger, more flexible. How do you improve your mental aspect? I know there's NFL kickers. Some of them meditate. Some of them do yoga. Is there anything special you do to kind of keep your mental game strong? Um, yeah, well, one of the things, like I said, is, you know, getting to work with color. He uh, kind of helped me to develop a, a routine and like a mental process that I can use. Um, you know, after practices, after games, just something that I can use to kind of uh, evaluate um, and just, you know, maintain control of my thoughts and my emotions and everything that goes on in a game. Um, so that's one thing that, I, that has definitely been helpful. Uh, I also do some yoga. Um, over the last probably three years, we've had yoga every single week um, during the season and over the summer. So that's something that definitely helps you to not only become more 
flexible, but also kind of learn how to, you know, control your, uh, control your thoughts and control your mind. Um, I've also worked with a sports psychologist, um, which I think is something that every athlete could use, um, is, you know, just someone to talk to and someone to just kind of, you know, get your feelings out, just bounce ideas off of and, you know, just talk and that knows what's going on with your life and going on in your head. Um, and, you know, so I think that those are all things that, you know, any athlete, um, you know, if, if they want to get better mentally and, and, you know, develop their mental game, those are all incredible resources, except for Coach Butler. He's, he's kind of just mine. Um, but, uh, but, you know, definitely yoga and a sports psychologist are things that I think any athlete can use and that were, uh, will provide beneficial effects um, for, you know, for their performance on and off the field. Nice. So, so I asked you about one kick you wish you could have back. It is only fair if I ask you, what do you think was your most memorable kick? What was your best kick of your career? For me, I thought it was your kick uh, in the national title game against Alabama. You know, unfortunately, Bama ended up winning, and so the kick kind of falls off into history. But considering the situation it was overtime, I think it was a 51-yarder. That was about as clutch as a kicker can be. Uh, what was your favorite kick of your college career? Uh, that's, that's definitely up there. Um, that kick is, is definitely a highlight for me. Uh, I think the 55 yarder that I kicked against Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, uh, that previous game going into halftime, it kind of gave us some momentum going into halftime to be able to turn things around in the second half. I think that's another one, uh, that's up there for me. Um, I think, uh, game winner that I made against Kentucky in 2016, that kind of, uh, you know, saved our season a little bit. We were we were trying to make sure we got ball eligible that season, and we got that win over Kentucky in 2016. Um, that was that was another highlight for me. And the next season, um, it was the third field goal that I kicked against Texas A&M um, that gave me the uh, the school record for most points in a career. Um, I think that was uh, that was the last one for me. That's uh, definitely a highlight um, that you know gave me the school record. So I would say all of those are uh, are up there for me. Nice. All right. I only have a few more here. Uh, one, are there any current NFL kickers that you consider yourself a fan of, or maybe you model after you watch them a lot because you like the way they do things? Uh, yeah, there are, there are a few, um, that I am, that I'm definitely a pretty big fan of. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Harrison Bucker. Um, Harrison was actually, he was at Georgia Tech. Um, and we, I think we had maybe, we had at least one year of overlap, maybe two. Um, but you know, I, I, I saw Harrison for a couple years and, uh, he's an incredible person, just a great guy, and he's doing some great things with the Chiefs right now. Um, you know, and I consider him to be one of the best guys right now. So, Harry, uh, also, uh, Justin Tucker with the Ravens. Um, you know, obviously I think he's, uh, he's probably the best guy, um, right now is Justin Tucker. You know, he's been doing it for a long time and is showing no signs of slowing down. Um, so, so Justin's another guy that I, um, am a huge fan of. Uh, I'd also say, uh, Vinatieri. Um, Adam Vinatieri, of course, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's been doing it for forever. Um, and, and is, and has done it at the highest level for, uh, you know, about as long as any kicker could hope to do it for. I think he's, you know, been around for maybe 22, 23 years, whatever it is. It might be more. Um, but Adam Vinatieri, I say, was, is, uh, another one that I'm a huge of. And, um, you know, I, I wish for nothing but the best, uh, for him at, at every point in his career. He was one of the first kickers that I started to watch when I first got into kicking. Um, and so I've loved to see all the success that he's had over his career. Yeah, fun NFL fact. I actually think Adam Vinatieri played his first snap before you were even born, uh, which is just crazy to think about because players don't usually last that long in the NFL. Now, let me ask you something because you're not wearing the rec specs. You're not wearing glasses. You're not wearing anything on your face right now. But, of course, that's what a lot of people who watch college football, that's what they know you for. 
are you going to keep wearing the rec specs in the NFL or are you going to throw on some contacts and, and let that be a college thing? Uh, oh, I, I'm going to keep wearing the rec specs. Um, I, I don't have glasses on right now because my, my, destroyed my regular pair of glasses. I was uh, doing some stretching on the floor a couple days ago and uh, I guess he was real excited to see me. And so he snagged my glasses off my face and ran away with them. And when I finally got them back, the frames were all bent up and he had, he had dinged up the lenses pretty good. So I had to put in an order for a new pair of glasses. So those are on the way in the mail right now, which is why I'm not wearing uh, regular glasses, but I'm definitely going to keep wearing the Rex Specs. Um, they are prescriptions, so they help me to you know, be able to see with the utmost clarity when I'm playing. Um, and it's just something that's kind of grown on me and I think has become a part of me now. So uh, definitely going to keep rocking the rec specs going forward. <laughs> now, uh, let me ask you a quick question about UGA. You studied sports journalism there, I think. What has it been like for you to kind of make these media rounds and see how the sausage is made, see the other side of maybe an industry that you could be going into, you know, sometime in the future? Yeah, um, I, I definitely, you know, I want to get into sports journalism when I want when I get into sports broadcast when my athletic career is over. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's definitely interesting. Um, I think I have a unique perspective because I'm, I'm on both sides of, uh, both sides of the table, you know, um, being an athlete and being interviewed by, uh, media over the last five years. Um, you know, I have that, that side and then taking classes and going out and interviewing people for stories for my classes has given me the other side, you know, so I've been on both sides of the conversation, both sides of the interview. Um, and I think that that, uh, definitely is going to help me going forward to to have both sides uh, of the interview process and both sides of the equation when I want to get into my career. Um, so it's definitely been, you know, interesting, um, you know, being a student athlete and, and wanting to get into journalism. Um, and I'm going to have a lot of fun uh, when I'm ready to take that step. All right. Last question. I would be remiss if I did not ask about it. You're a burgeoning rap star. Uh, any plans to release a new rap song once you get to the NFL? Or maybe you could do a yoga video since you're doing yoga too. Oh, um, so the rap career, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's got any more legs on it. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I definitely wanted to make a song. Um, I thought it would be a lot of fun. Um, and it definitely was a lot of fun to make that song, but it was a, a lot of late nights in the, uh, in the studio. Um, you know, getting, getting with a couple other guys to, to make sure that it sounded just right. It definitely took, uh, some late nights. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of anticipate that that's what it would look like going forward if I wanted to do that again. And, and I'm not quite ready to, to sacrifice those precious hours of sleep yet for another song. So, um, you know, it, it's not going to happen right now. Uh, maybe once I retire or something, um, and, and I don't have any more football going on, I've got a little bit more free time. Maybe I would, uh, make another one then, but, for now, the uh, rap career is going to be put on hold. <laughs> that That is unfortunate. I was ready to download your next song, man. Uh, but, hey, I appreciate you uh, joining us, Rodrigo, and good luck uh, this weekend. Thank you guys so much. Thank, thank you for having me. All right, we're back with Ezra Cleveland, the left tackle from Boise State, who had a fantastic season, uh, opened a lot of people's eyes at the Combine. And, and Ezra, I'll start right there. So you busted out a 4.93 at the Combine. Uh, you had a broad jump of 111 inches. Your three cone was great. Your vertical was 30 inches. You got 30 reps on the bench press. Uh, how surprised were you that other people were surprised to hear that Ezra Cleveland could do all these things, knowing what you've known uh, throughout your career at Boise State? Uh, you know, going into the combine, I knew that I was kind of underrated and people didn't think I could do what I, uh, you know, I knew I was capable of doing. And that was one of the big goals going into the combine itself was, 
performing the way that I know that I can perform and uh, letting those people know like how athletic and how strong I actually am. Well, it's funny. You talk about your athleticism. That's what jumps out when, when you watch, watch you play and it's week in and week out. And a lot of times you were on an island against the, the best pass rusher on the other team and very little, very few times did you struggle. I think, uh, pro football focus said you gave up two hurries throughout the course of the 2019 season, which is, which is bonkers. That's how well you played. And that type of athleticism typically leads you to think that, okay, this guy was probably a tight end and he just moved outside. You were a defensive tackle as well in high school and you were an all state defensive tackle. Um, do you like defense? Uh, why did you choose offensive tackle once you got to Boise State? So in my high school, I played both sides of the ball. I kind of just went wherever I was needed, offensive line, defensive line. Uh, I've always been, you know, on one of the lines, D line, O line. And, uh, you know, coach, uh, coach Huff recruited me as an offensive lineman here. And when I came here, uh, I just enjoyed the coaching staff and the people. And I think that alone helped me with the transition from defense to the offensive line and kind of just sticking with the offensive line and getting to know everyone on the team and getting good at the position and starting in my own role. So, uh, Curtis Weaver, your, your former teammate at Boise State, who's going to get drafted as well, uh, was speaking very highly of you heard him in an interview the other day and said you are his OT1. So you're the first guy he's drafted off the board. And there's been a lot of conversations about you perhaps even going in the first round. But when you talk to NFL teams, what, what do they say to you about things they want to see you do better once you get to the NFL? Uh, stuff like finish and get stronger and pad level and stuff like that. You know, football players themselves can always get stronger and, you know, no one's perfect. They're always working on the craft no matter how well they are. And it's funny you bring up Curtis and how you say he's, I'm his OT1 because he's my DN one. So, you know, going against him every day definitely got me better. And I like to think I got him better. And, you know, the thing we like to say at Boise State's iron sharpens iron. And we were, be- we were definitely doing that out, out of practice. Well, let's talk about Curtis because I want to uh, talk about him a little more because one of the knocks on him, uh, and you too, and, uh, you, you know, unfairly perhaps, is that you're not facing the Power Five guys week in and week out. And one of the other knocks on Curtis specifically, not you, because this isn't uh, something that you, you, this doesn't show up, but people wonder if Curtis isn't athletic enough to play DN in the NFL. What would your response be to that? As you point out, he's your, he's your DE1. So, you know, going against him in practice and everything, he has, the tool belt for everything and he's definitely athletic enough to bend the edge and stuff. I know he was, his uh, ankles were bothering him towards the end of the season, which kind of made his film. It was kind of like mine at the beginning of the season when my toe was hurting, you know, the film, the films didn't match up with uh, what they were seeing in like other years. So when his ankles got bet, his ankles are definitely better now and he's able to bend the edge. And I know he's, he's sure athletic enough to play that DN spot. And, like I said, going against him was a struggle at practice. He made me better, and I like to think I made him better. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And another guy that I like a lot from that team is John Hightower, the wide receiver, who who is, I'm guessing, he's the fastest person on your team. He's one of the fastest people uh, in this draft class. What do you love about Hightower, who a lot of people just think is a home run threat? What else does he do to to bring to that offense? Oh, uh, you know, John's work work ethic on and off the field is really well, really good. You know, he practices practice habits and helps out uh, younger guys and stuff like that. He's and another good thing about him is in intense situations, he's he's laid back and calm, cool, and collected. He doesn't freak out, and you know, he knows when the if the ball gets thrown to him, he's going to make the play and uh, do that. And even if it's like a small slant or something like that, he's going to try to make it that home run play you were mentioning before. So uh, we're asking guys that we're talking to about what their draft plans are. This is you know a weird time uh, with everything going on around the world. But what are your 
draft plans for for Thursday in, in terms of uh, having uh, you know people over and, and like a viewing party, all fewer than ten people, of course. But, but what do you plan on doing then? Yeah, so I have my family uh, driving down from Washington, uh, my mom and my dad, and then, uh, a defensive line coach from my high school that I've been really close with since seventh grade, and they're coming down. They're coming down here, and we're gonna watch the draft and uh the nfl was kind enough to send us cameras and stuff to set up so we could have that moment captured on camera and uh on the tv and stuff like that so we're just gonna just gonna chill out with uh by the cameras and kind of just have a little party by ourselves just all all six of us keeping it you know in the rules of the uh, corona and stuff like that yeah, it actually may be better that you set up your own camera so there's not some uh, ESPN or NFL camera in your face the whole time trying to yeah. document everything you do. Uh, speaking of cameras, so throughout this process, the last month or so, you've had to talk to teams via Zoom or, or Skype or, or FaceTime or whatever. How's that experience been? Anything weird sort of stick out as, as awkward given the sort of scenario, the, the situations we're living in? Oh, uh, no, not really. You know, uh, growing up when I grew up, we've, you know, we're pretty technology familiar and stuff like that. So, all the all the calls went really well, and uh, you know I, I've been asked if they had me getting a three point or something like that, but nothing nothing uh, physical. It was all just like FBI football knowledge and stuff like that. Them asking me about my film, them showing me their film, and uh, teaching me some plays and having me rattle it back and stuff like that. So nothing out of the ordinary. So you've obviously had um, these meetings in person at the combine. Were you at all anxious or nervous, or you felt pretty comfortable about how you represented yourself in terms of uh, your football knowledge and what you were able to do on tape uh, at Boise State? So I, I knew I was good football knowledge-wise and everything. It was just getting that first interview done and getting the butterflies out and figuring out like um, what what I can expect and stuff from the meeting. So once I got that first uh, informal meet, uh, informal meeting done, you know, I was getting more comfortable, and then I had my my first formal meeting. I remember I was really nervous to go into, and you know, I got in there and I started talking. And it it went by really fast. That's one thing that really happens is when you're in an interview or something like that. I think we had 15 or 20 minutes, and that time really goes by fast when you're when you're talking about football. And like I said, once I got done with that first formal meeting, you know, it was it was all I wouldn't say breeze because you know you still have to focus and stuff like that, but it was definitely a lot easier once I got that first meeting done and figured out what to expect. By the way, if your interview goes fast, that means it went well. If you're bombing, that 20 minutes feels like two days. So that's that's probably a good sign. Uh, one last thing I want to ask you. So you you seem really calm and laid back now. Uh, on Thursday, when are you going to start getting the butterflies and start getting a little nervous? Yeah, I'm actually not sure. I just got off the phone with uh, my old line coach, uh, Brad Bedell, who actually went through the same process. And I just asked him, I was like, so when you got the call, like, what were your emotions like? What what am I what am I going to be feeling? And he's like, yeah, you know, it kind of all hit me at once. And I started crying. I was like, you started crying? And I was like, <laughs> like me right now, I would never think of me like answering the phone and crying and stuff. I mean, I definitely get excited, but I don't know. I'm kind of a spur of the moment type of guy, so we'll see what emotions hit me when uh, when I get that phone call. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it, Ezra. It was so fun watching you play last season in 2019. And best of luck to you, man. I hope you uh, have gone to have a great NFL career. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All right. We're here with Christian Fulton, LSU cornerback, one of the best cornerbacks in this draft class, without a doubt. Uh, Christian, before we get started, I want to ask you uh, a question about LSU in general. Um, we talked to Jamal Adams back at the, at the Super Bowl, the safety for the Jets, LSU alum, and he was adamant, which will come as some surprise to you that LSU is DBU. There's some conversations, of course, about Ohio State and even Florida is in that conversation. Um, 
especially with C.J. Henderson in the mix to be drafted high, and, of course, Jeff Kuda from Ohio State. What are your thoughts? Where do you come down on the LSU-DBU debate? Um, I mean, I definitely feel like we have it. Uh, I feel like we go we put our guys every year, um, just, as, just as them. But I feel like uh, our guys, you know, we have the top safeties in the league and the corner, top corners in the league, you know, and that's a fact. So that's why I believe we have that conversation. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You're probably going to go in the first round. Derek Stingley, when he comes out, he will be a first-round pick. It feels like Grant Delpit also in that conversation. And it's not like you guys weren't playing anyone. You go through LSU's schedule, and every week it was someone that was incredibly tough. I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. So uh, Texas, Colin Johnson's eight feet tall. Um, how do you go about covering someone who's that size and, and runs the way he does? Uh, so for us, you know, our game plan was just um, – Kind of, you know, take their advantage away, you know, their, with their uh, size. You know, they, um, they do their go pretty much deep. You know, that was their go-to thing. So we want, you know, take that away. Um, they want to be, you know, too physical with them, um, just because they were big and they were trying, they were trying to you know, pull us through as corners, and we didn't want that to happen. So that's how we went about it. You know, that game. So I, I saw this quote from you after the after the season last year. And you said you, you felt like you needed to be more physical to line of scrimmage. And I thought that was interesting because a lot of times when you see these press man corners in, in college, they get a little handsy at the line of scrimmage to the point where in the NFL they'll be flagged for that. But that wasn't your game. You were much more patient at the line of scrimmage and, and much more um, willing to let the receivers uh, start, the, start the route, and then you would be all over them like a blanket. So what are you hoping to improve on when you talk to these NFL teams? What do they want to see you do better once you get to the NFL? Um, that's the thing, you know, just want to make sure, you know, that the uh, transition, you know, um, they like what they saw. I mean, obviously, but, you know, just making sure the transition is uh, much smoother, you know, so just focusing on, you know, not using your hands off for just because, you know, you got the five yards and after that, you know, they're going to probably call you for flat. So just uh, putting that in my head mentally, um, you know, that uh, they want to see, you know, what the versatility is on, on my on my game. You know, I try to break it down to them, explain them, um, explain to them with that. Yeah, you had 25 pass, uh, passes defended the last two years. I think you're, you seem to be doing okay in, in that regard. Um, you also mentioned, um, Van Jefferson was the toughest receiver you faced. It, it, do you still, you still feel that way? Uh, yeah, yeah, he's definitely, um, one of the top. I feel like he's definitely the most underrated ones that I've faced. Um, so that's why I, I would say, yeah, for, for him. So I, I agree with you. I think Van Jefferson is, is underrated as well, and it's sort of interesting. I mean, we talk about how deep this wide receiver class is, including um, your guy Justin Jefferson in that conversation. But what does Van Jefferson do? That is, 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 is it his ability to, to run routes that, that creates such problems for, for defensive backs? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like his routes are very very polished. You know, um, you know he gets in and out his, get in and out his break. Um, he has um, good hands. He has a good catch radius, I feel like. Uh, and he can make, I feel like he can make the tough catches. So, going along those, those same lines, um, you guys faced Alabama in one of the best games of the season last year. Um, if you're a defensive back, would you rather face Jerry Judy and his route running ability, or do you want to have to worry about Henry Ruggs running a 4-2-7, or is it someone else on that team that's loaded with wide receivers that, that concerns you? I mean, it, I feel like, uh, I kind of gave people the answer, you know, to plan on. Um, it, it's different. Um, for Judy, you know, I wouldn't want to play him off. So I would person, you know, I feel like that kind of cuts down on his, uh, 
route running, you know. Um, like you said, it's great. He has great route running. And with um, Ruggs, you know, I just wanted to you know, get hands on him, you know, kind of throughout the time. And like you said, he's a full two guy, so you got to put your hands on him, you know, to slow him down and mess up the timing for um, him and his quarterback. And, um, I think Devontae Smith, he was, a, he was a really good receiver, too. He's definitely, you know, in the mix with those three. Yeah, I thought you had a really a really strong game against against Alabama, and we obviously know how that turned out. Do you talk to like Grant Delpit, for example, and maybe even some guys on the other side of the ball, like Lloyd Cushenberry or even Joe Burrow or Justin Jefferson, about just going through this process as you guys get ready, which is obviously a, a very weird time for everyone as you get ready for the draft? Um, yeah. Um, so just um, training with um, Grant and uh, Justin, you know, um, definitely talk about it. Um, you know, just try to give each other tips, pointers, you know, on what's uh, going on with certain teams or, you know, just uh, asking how, how the uh, draft process is going. You know, um, every, everybody's process is going pretty good. You know, um, we got a pretty wide range, you know, so we're talking to a lot of teams, you know, just trying to see um, what type of people we are, and, um, you know, what what they want to see us do like, going into the next level. So you, you've been with Joe Burrow ever since he arrived from Ohio State, and you saw him practice each and every day. Um, were you at all surprised at how things unfolded this year, or had you seen that in practice and, and you sort of felt like that was the direction that Burrow was going to end up going? Yeah, definitely. Uh, seeing that in practice, you know, they they make it look it's so easy in practice. And you're like, there's no way you're going to be like this in the game. <laughs> it's definitely that easy in the game. So uh, they definitely worked for all the success that they got for sure because they they come every day with a game day mentality at practice and um, I figured that's why they had so much success and um, it's probably why he's gonna uh, come, come um, keep doing what they do you know going to the next level. So how frustrating is it as a cornerback or a safety? to go up against Joe Burrow and practice and have him do those things that you mentioned when you know you're in the right place where you need to be and he still somehow manages to pull that off. Do you get angry or is that something you're glad to see because he's on your team or what's the feeling there? Uh, no, nah, definitely don't get angry. Uh, I mean, it's, it's part of the game, you know, when you're going against, you know, those type of players, you know, they're going to make plays, you're going to make all of those and you just got to, you, know, you just got to fight you know, to make sure that they don't uh, make the play. Um, that's the mindset we got to you as a defensive back. So, uh, I mean, it's good to you know, see it on uh, during the week because you know they're going to make it happen on Saturday for sure. Well, the good news is you didn't face anyone nearly that good <laughs> in the course of the season. Trevor Lawrence is obviously a really good quarterback, but Joe Burrow, as I think uh, everyone agrees, is uh, well-deserving of that Heisman Trophy. So when, when you go through these Zoom calls with, with the teams um, – were there any teams in your mind that, that felt like they were really interested in, in, in you and, and might be a team that would consider you uh, a couple of days from now when this draft starts? Uh, I mean, I, I really got to buy from uh, a few teams. You know, and a lot of teams like what they see on film. So, um, but right now, I'm being just you know, expecting the unexpected. You know, um, I heard a lot of drafted stories you know, that sometimes it's maybe the team that you ain't talk to as much personally, but he was talking to everybody else around him. So uh, I'm definitely you know, expecting unexpected with that uh, going into draft field. That's probably a great way to approach it. And, and I'll ask you one final thing, Christian. Um, we heard Chase Young talk about his, his draft day get-together. He's going to have 10 or fewer family members there on the inside. And then out in the front yard, I think he's going to project the, the, the draft telecast on the side of the house so people out there can see and don't come out there and wave at him. What are your draft plans? What are you going to be doing Thursday 
um, when you're getting ready to, to sit down and watch this thing? Um, I mean, I'm just, you know, doing it a little small to get together with the family. Like I said, just want to make sure everybody, um, everybody stays safe. Um, and we're just going to celebrate, you know, with the family and, um, you know, just have a good time as, as best as we could. And, you know, hopefully, you know, do a real celebration and everything will clear up in the world. Christian, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. I know you're busy this time of year. Best of luck to you, man. And I hope, uh, we get to see you called on Thursday. You can't walk across the stage, but we'll see you on the video there. Good luck, man. Thank you for having me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.